Hi, this is Anishka Fernandopoli. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button under my picture on dharmaseed.org or go to my website, anushkaf.org, A-N-U-S-H-K-A-F.org, and click on donate. Thanks. I appreciate your support. Since different thoughts show up that you didn't want to have show up, at times that you did not invite them in. So they're essentially not you or yours. They're just coming and going, just like nature. So sometimes it can help to imagine as if the mind is a screen on which are being projected these thoughts, images, whether verbal or nonverbal. And this is a way to play with a little bit. Sometimes you could imagine that they're even being projected by uh, someone's behind you. They're not actually your thoughts. So in this way we could practice just noticing them, seeing them for what they are, noticing that they come and go. Now, thoughts are quick. So it can be more challenging to notice the very beginnings or the very ends in some way that it might be easier to notice the beginning and end, for example, of a footstep. So that's okay. Don't strain too much. Just be curious and can see what we can learn. There's a story that uh, I like about someone who goes to a cave and they paint a picture of a tiger. And then they look at the picture of the tiger and they scream, ah, tiger, and they run out of the cave. So it seems strange or funny because they forgot that they made that up. But you can notice how this happens with the mind over and over again. You're sitting here breathing, nobody is bothering you. Directly. (laughs) And then something arises in the mind, a thought, an image, a memory. And suddenly we're inhabiting this imaginary world again. We've created a world in which we're living out past conversations or imagining future conversations, fantasizing, going on vacation, replaying old TV shows. And all of this is happening in the field of thought in this moment, arisings and passings away. So we'll just practice recognizing some of these. And uh, to give us a little start on this, I'll, I inject some exercises for us to do, and then we'll kind of freeform it, too. So begin just by grounding ourselves in the body, as we have been all these days. Let's feel the sense of the body sitting. So knowing there is a body It can be helpful to try to relax if the body is tense in any place in the beginning. 
You can notice if there's tension around the jaw, for example. Breathing in, and as you breathe out, just trying to relax any muscles in the jaw, in the face. Breathing in again. This time as you exhale, you can relax any muscles around the eyes that might be tense unnecessarily. And breathing in and relaxing muscles in the shoulder. Just allowing yourself to settle into the posture. Sensing the body, perhaps the body breathing. Just resting at ease. So we'll intentionally call up some mind objects just to play with observing how they arise and pass away. So I invite you to think of the shoes that you wore most recently here. So maybe an image comes up and then already it's gone. So this is a mind object, arisen, passed away. It's already disappeared like writing on water. It's not you, it's not yours. And the thought of this object, the shoes, is different than the shoes themselves. happening in the field of the mind. (coughs) You can choose then, if you like, to call up the mind object, the thought of uh, what your address is. could be this comes up as visual, seeing of words, or even seeing the house or apartment. It could be hearing them said. So this also has occurred in the field of the mind. It's arisen, it's passed away. These are fairly neutral, perhaps, these ones we've done before, but it's possible sometimes that there are mind objects that arise that have a strongly pleasant or unpleasant feeling tone to them. These are often the ones that are stickier. These are the ones where we do chase that stick or get on that thought train.
So thoughts and emotions often can connect to work in concert. They catalyze each other. If there's a repetitive thought that's come through once, twice, three times, then usually there is some mental fuel behind that, emotional fuel behind that. Rather than engaging with the content of that thought, what we're practicing here is noticing that thought is arising and passing away, the process of thought. And in this case, with repetitive thoughts, we could check in and see if there is some emotional fuel. See if we notice in the heart, in the belly, sense of contraction, sense of expansion. Could be sadness, could be anger, could be a sense of joy or excitement. So rather than living in the story of it, which we usually do, can bring the attention to feeling the movement of the energy of that emotional pattern, that energy pattern that's shown up, that too arises and passes away. (coughs) That's like a weather system. It's not me or mine. It's not owned by me, controlled by me, invited by me. You can just allow the thoughts to go on in the background, but direct the energy to noticing this pattern of emotion, energetic fuel, as it arises and passes away. So I can rest primarily with the experience of the body body breathing, can let thoughts be in the background, but if there's one that is noticeable, uh, you can even label that. You could just use the label thinking, but if helpful, you could also use other labels of planning, remembering. Just recognizing that this has occurred. Notice as it passes away. I'm curious about the process of how it arises, how it passes. You just keep an eye out for that, but again, don't strain too hard for that. If the beginnings or endings are noticeable, then that's fine. Otherwise, we can at least try to be mindful when thought is there, that thought is occurring or has occurred, a mind object of any kind. And just acknowledging that many, many times we're going to miss it. Our habit is to get absorbed into that field, to inhabit these imagined worlds over and over again. So if you find that happens also, 
can just recognize that and really be humbled by the power of these habits, the strong power of delusion. Just recognize with compassion how much of the time we spend in these imagined worlds and how that can lead to all kinds of suffering that's totally unnecessary. Borrowing trouble from some imagined future, past. Just rest with the body.
So you can notice if there's anything happening in the field of the mind right now. Just recognize that as something that has arisen unbidden. And then notice how it also disappears so quickly. As you return to recognizing that there is a body, the body is sitting. You can notice if there's been any additional tension that has developed from your excursion into the imaginary world of thought. Try to relax again, face, shoulders. Begin again. You don't have to look at the thoughts as a problem Something else interesting to learn from, to learn about in this exploration of our lives.
Can we just allow the thoughts and mind objects to be part of nature? Just passing by like clouds in the sky.
So these uh, mind objects and thoughts are slippery devils, and uh, but also it can be very interesting to observe in this area. There's a lot to be learned here. Um, I'll mention a couple of other aspects for those of you who have um, you know practiced for some time and this just recognizing the thoughts. There's some subcategories you could keep an eye out for. So one is uh, recognizing thoughts that are. Uh, perception. So there are thoughts that are basically labeling things in your world. These labels come up also unbidden. It could be as simple as walking by outside and you see something and then the word comes up, lizard. Or uh, if you know a kind of bird, maybe the name of the bird, robin, comes up. So this is a particular aspect of uh, thought, a particular kind of mental object that arises that is uh, labeling, naming things. And particularly interesting to notice is when that labeling or naming uh, is a mistake. So sometimes you might see something like a stick on the ground and think it's a snake, a snake. And then notice that the labeling happens, but it's not always uh, accurate. So what is helpful is that there's a whole category of um, thoughts, you could say, that uh, maybe this is even most thoughts that are thoughts about ourself, <laughs> you might have noticed. So this idea of me, of mine, creating a world around myself. And there's a way in which, uh, you know, significantly we take a perception of ourself to be accurately a solid enduring, controlling entity that when you look further uh, does not really exist in that way. So you could also just basically notice how much of my thoughts are thoughts about me. (laughs) And third area that if you're interested in you could check out is uh, this area of um, investigating thoughts that are thoughts that are wholesome or skillful or unwholesome, unskillful. So example, wholesome, are like when we do metta, we're using words like, uh, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be safe. Uh, these are generating wholesome states. Right? And then other thoughts might come up uh, that are thoughts of um, hatred or jealousy, um, rage or uh, greed, something like that, craving that are uh, in the unwholesome category. So with this, it's helpful just to try to observe them. So you don't need to flagellate yourself for any unwholesome states that arise or thoughts. Just recognize, uh, yeah, oh, this is what's happening. And be humbled by the frequency in which they might arise. But this is also not you or yours. Uh, You don't need to own it or something like that. We're just trying to learn uh, about this very rich field in which our world gets created. So I'll see if there's any um, questions about your practice, either what we've worked with today or in general, and maybe preference for those who might not have a group uh, today. If you have any questions, comments. Yeah. If the image stays and don't go away, even though I'm aware of it, mm. what should be done? Mm. So if the image stays and doesn't go away, uh, what should be done with it? So uh, some image had come in the uh, meditation, is what you're referring to? 
So right now as you're talking to me, is the image there? Ah, okay. <laughs> so good to notice that, right? Like uh, it, it might seem to stay and it might be that it kind of arises repeatedly or it seems to have some constancy. But even the thought like, oh, this image is staying uh, is an idea that then uh, might be true but might be, you can sort of poke holes in that by noticing like, oh, okay, it's gone. Still with, a, with some repeating thought, which could also be an image, you could notice, okay, is there some kind of sort of emotional energy underneath of that? And it could be that there is and it could be that there isn't. Um, sadness, anger, excitement. Uh, if it's a pleasant image, if the mind is clinging to it in that way. So it can kind of get curious if it seems to be sort of sticking around or repeatedly occurring. Uh, what is there there under that? Did you have a chance to investigate that? Uh, uh, well, it's much more simple, actually, when you said about the training shoes or like the shoes you were wearing. Yeah. So the image came and then it was just there. Mm. Even though I was aware of it, yeah. it was not fading away. <laughs> Did you notice that you have any particular uh, positive or negative feeling about your training shoes? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, check it out, because sometimes even if we don't uh, yeah, it could be that it's just there and that's fine. And then after a while, eventually it's faded, right? Because now we're talking and you're not thinking about your tennis shoes or training shoes, right? Um, also, there's a way in which the mind makes up stuff or likes to latch on to things sometimes um, out of boredom or just, you know, even if something not specifically very pleasant, it's like it's something to look at. You know, it's kind of like turning on TV or something like that. Uh, so you could notice that. And in fact, even sometimes the mind will cling on to unpleasant stories, right? Uh, just because it's like something to think about and there's like been a creation of me who's about to suffer or something or another too. So you could examine if there's any particular pleasant, unpleasant quality, even like low grade to that. Uh, but otherwise also notice, yeah, oh look, it, it stays for a while, but eventually it does fade. Like no thought has ever been permanent. Yeah, just like no body sensation or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, I'm cognizant. I recently did an uh, investigation of some uh, confined animal feed operations at slaughterhouses. So it's very present for me. Uh, animals are treated for food. And I, so I see frequently people, I see the consequences and I see the cause of the injury that are uh, in the body of those animals. And so in doing forgiveness practice yesterday, I was recognizing um, this difficulty of forgiving someone for something that was done to someone else versus something that was done to me. Mm. So how does one offer forgiveness for something that isn't themselves, the harm they're causing to others? Mm. So a question about uh, forgiveness, particularly forgiveness, forgiving someone for something they've done to someone else. So for example, to animals, uh, to someone that's not oneself. It's kind of the same principle in some ways. Um, some reflections on it. One is that... Um, you know, just a right view reflection that holding a grudge against anyone for any reason um, is not helpful, right? Like, it's, it's not actually doing anything to prevent that behavior that person is doing, you know? And it, it's only uh, harming one's own heart, right? So sometimes we have an idea, oh, it's good, to, it's good for me to hold this grudge or not forgive, but actually just to recognize, like, oh, the, the pain is being held here, right, this way. So sometimes some reflection that... Um, as we might consider when someone has done something to us also, 
what is the state of mind from which they have done this? You know? And recognizing, like, do we ever do things to harm someone else, too? The answer is yes. <laughs> right? so, and if we do, then what was it that was going on in that situation that made that happen? And oftentimes it's that we weren't paying attention enough to recognize the uh, impact on others, or in that moment we were driven by fear, anger, uh, hatred, greed, basically these things that we call defilements because they're like clouding the mind, right? So if you think about things that we've done that we later regret that harmed someone else, animal, person, you know, at any point, then um, that can help us to recognize like, oh, okay, this was, it's not even like, oh, this person did this, but from this mind state came an action that had uh, harm, right? And so then it's like, okay, can I forgive this person? I'm holding this grudge against this person in some way, recognizing like, yeah, this through causality happens in this way. So sometimes that can help to loosen it, but also sometimes it doesn't. You know, with forgiveness practice, you just, like with the metta, you know, say the phrases with best intent that you can, and then sometimes it's not uh, letting go yet. That's okay. Then have compassion also that even with the right view that you would like to let go, letting go is not happening. Yeah, I think whatever works for you in some way. Like, um, so whether to consider that a fourth body of uh, harm that someone has done to others, or broadly speaking, uh, or in some way just harm that others have done that I have seen or experienced. Because in this case, like you're experiencing it as harmful also, even though it's not done to yourself. So it could be in that broader category of sort of things that have been done to me in the world, as you're saying, together. And then stuff that I have done to others, and then things I've done to myself. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll, I'll notice um, a thought that I had like a minute ago or something, so, so that, that was not noticed at the time it arose. So it's like, it's almost like a delayed mindfulness. <laughs> Yeah, so sometimes recognizes a thought that uh, like happened a little while ago. It's almost like a delayed mindfulness. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. I mean, at least it's like catching up, right? <laughs> sometimes it will seem like that. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah, that was a thought. Okay. So uh, then that's fine. Like whenever it is, then just recognize like, okay, that was thinking. And then, um, you know, keep, keep going and then. Oftentimes it might get sort of closer and closer to the arising itself. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I'm noticing a pattern of behavior, and I'm not sure if it's worth pursuing the thought, when is it that this pattern arises, or if that's just feeding the thought. But I'd actually like to know... Mm. Yeah, so noticing a pattern of behavior that arises and being curious, uh, when is it that this pattern arises? Or in some ways, sort of like, what is the causality for this, right? 
Um, is it something that you could observe even here on retreat as a, a pattern of behavior, or is something in the outside world that you see more? Probably more in the outside world. Yeah, okay. Uh, in that case, I would say, you know, you could take some time to reflect on it if it feels helpful, you know, here, but to be aware that you're reflecting on it. But then I'd say just let it go into the uh, question mark category and trust that the, the tools you're developing here of awareness will then serve when you move into the conditions in which that might arise more uh, to give you more information about it. Because, yeah, thinking about it too much when you're not able to actually observe it uh, can, after a while, not be so helpful. So, yeah, if you want to take a little bit of time, reflect on it, but then know that you're reflecting on it, you know, when you're thinking, knowing that you're thinking. Uh, Not in a sort of official uh, sitting period, I would say, but, you know, some other time that you know that you're doing it. And then to put it down to, like, some intention, like, oh, may I be aware of this uh, and learn about this as this arises um, in my life. And then let it go if you can. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if you have any suggestions for earworms, music that just is continually playing like a loop. It just won't go away. And it, it can be pleasant. Sometimes I can replace it with another tune. Yeah. <laughs> it just keeps going. Yeah. So a question about earworms, so songs and um, music that comes and seems to stick around and uh, repetitive like that. Um, I do, I do have some things uh, to say about that, <laughs> having experienced this also. Uh, yeah, it's interesting to examine this too. I would say it comes in some different categories. So one is that it could be uh, felt like a recurring thought. It just happens to be music, but like a recurring thought which actually is bringing with it in some way some particular uh, like emotion or mood. And a lot of music allows us access to particular uh, emotional states. So then rather than kind of going with the mental part of it, drop in and feel the feelings of that. You know, feel the sadness, the poignancy, the energy of that, and be with that as it arises and passes away. You know, if it comes back again, be with that again. I notice if there's some stickiness of wanting it to be there, right? Um, but you know, drop into the energetic part of it, right? So that's one. Another one is notice the pleasant quality of it. And we haven't, uh, you know, directly yet uh, spoken of Vedana, uh, but yeah. So each sense experience in all of the fields can have a pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral quality. Uh, for many of the earworms, they have been constructed <laughs> with a pleasant. Uh, right, uh, quality. So then that's sort of what the mind like goes, goes for it again, goes for it again, goes for it again, right? Uh, so notice the pleasant quality, and there's something to be learned about that too, about noticing the way in which there can be craving for a mind object that is pleasant. It's possible if we can notice the pleasant quality to just let it be as it is, just as it's possible if we can be aware of the unpleasant quality of a thought or of an experience of the body to allow that to be just as it is without having to push or pull on it in some way, you know, sort of interfere with the flow. So you could check out the pleasant aspect of it, right? And there is the mind sometimes is just uh, sort of like mindlessly knocking around, <laughs> right? 
Uh, I've heard sometimes that some songs would come up just walking by something and see a bush, and then a song with the word bush would come, or a song with, you know. So then the mind is just like looking for chewing gum, sort of, you know. And there's something about that that also, some of it is just habitual, but sometimes there's a little fear of silence. You know, sometimes you might notice that as things are getting quiet or as there is a loss of a sense of me in the same way that we're used to, there can come up this sense of kind of low-grade or high-grade anxiety, like it's not how I'm used to it or something, you know. So if that's the case, then get curious about that moment before the song starts, uh, before the music starts, like, oh, is there some anxiety? Was there some quiet? And if so, uh, try to be aware of that, be interested in that catalyzing process. And it, it can be um, also something you can sort of, sort of soothe yourself, like, oh, it's okay, like silence is okay. Like, a little meta for yourself. Like, don't need to fill, it, fill this up with stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Right, so... Uh, Announcement today. Uh, one is, uh, please don't use your cell phones. Um, that will disturb your own mind more. Uh, and also, uh, it could be disturbing other people, even if you feel like you're walking to some distant area to uh, use them. So, renunciation of cell phones. Um, we have some more um, meetings uh, today, so please uh, come to the meetings uh, if you have them. And... Uh, try to come on time. If you have a meeting and you have to go to the bathroom, uh, it's allowable for you to bow into the bathroom line, to hop the line, to uh, relieve yourself so you can get to your meeting on time. I think that's it. So yeah, you can play with noticing thoughts uh, if you like today, but uh, also don't try too hard with it because they are very slippery. So if you find yourself efforting a lot to try to catch the beginning or catch the end, you know, then... Just relax. You can always go back to the body, rest with the body, breathing, walking. Also today you could uh, include or be curious about areas in which um, there might be a lack of continuity. You know, so notice, oh, is it from going from sitting to walking? In between there, is mindfulness gonzo for that period? You know, uh, Or... Even in smaller moments, like when I'm reaching for the door, you know, do I notice that sense of the reaching when I'm putting on the shoes or if I'm in the bathroom? You know, and sometimes it can be for long periods, or sometimes it's, it's interesting. There can be even short periods, like the reaching. Am I missing that? Or uh, the sense of uh, feeling the water in my hands when I'm washing my hands. So just be curious and just very gently allowing sense of presence to permeate, you know, to allow it to sort of seep into all areas. And it can be a, a beautiful way to live. And it's a nice thing about retreat is that we get to, to live like this as much as possible. So, thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.